Give Jesus some praise. Come on. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. It's Christmas. Oh, man. I tell you what. I am so excited. Oh, it's just like a warm hug, right? It's, uh, it's something, I think that's a movie quote. Um, welcome to the Refuge Church. My name is Adam Harold. My amazing wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this community we call the Refuge and I'm just so emotional tonight, just so, you, just so you know, I have no idea why, but, well, you know why, but anyway. Uh, one of my favorite things about Christmas is that Christmas is a season. I love that it's a season. Uh, now, we can debate on when that season begins, right? It doesn't begin the day after Halloween, uh, but it does. It is a season, and I just love that about Christmas. It lasts, you know, at least three to four weeks, and we just are so glad that you've chosen to spend your Christmas season with us. So thank you so much for being here. I'm also excited tonight because we're wrapping up a series. Um, see what I did there? Pun intended tonight. Wrapping up a series. Um, they're only going to get better, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just warning you. Uh, we're wrapping up a series that we're calling The Lineage. It's been about the lineage of Jesus and talking about, about Christmas, and it's, it's been uh, a four-week series. I want to do a really quick review. Week one, we talked about Advent, and the big idea that we have, every, every message that I preach, I preach with a big idea, and the big idea, the one thing I wanted us to take away was that we needed Jesus then, and he came we need him still, and he's coming again. This has been the theme for the entire series, and tonight we're going to continue that theme. But week two, we talked about how sometimes it just feels like God is absent. And maybe that's you. So, but one of the things that we said, the big idea that week, was that even Jesus' lineage had moments that it looked like God was absent. What made us think, or what makes us think, that our lineage won't be, this, like, won't be the same? Jesus' lineage included moments of darkness. What makes us think that ours would be any different? Then week three, last week, my amazing wife, Tanya, did an amazing job on talking about anticipation. Her big idea was anticipation equals expectation plus preparation. Anticipation. So we want to anticipate the coming of Jesus by expecting him to come, but by also preparing. You see, to get anticipation, you have to have both of those things. And those of you that were here, you learned why I work so hard to surprise my wife at Christmas time. It is a challenge, but let me tell you, I got some tricks up my sleeve this year, and I promise you, she will be surprised on Monday morning. So um, you can ask her if she thinks she knows. She knows, listen, she told you last week in her message that she knows of a couple things that she's gotten. Thank you, Amazon. Like, who knew that Amazon sends a receipt to an email that your wife has when you buy it on before Christmas, you know? And uh, so I learned my lesson, and I went and I started my own Amazon Prime. 
30-day free trial, by the way. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Honey, remind me to cancel that Amazon Prime membership on January, January 8th. <laughs> Tonight, I want to talk about the arrival because without the arrival of Jesus, we don't have anything to celebrate. Next week, I want to tell you about next week. We've got, last I checked, we had 13 or 14 people signed up for baptism for next week. We're doing, so next week is New Year's Eve. That's the way it works, Christmas, and then a week later, it's New Year's. It happens that way every year. Or at least it has the last 43 years of my life. And, um, and so uh, we're, we're going to send 2023 out with baptisms, burying it in water, rising to new 2024. It's going to be absolutely an incredible service. Um, but also next Sunday, and it's a surprise that I'm just announcing right now, that uh, we're sending out our first missionaries next Sunday. So I'm um, super excited to be sending missionaries out to South Korea. And um, we're gonna, you're gonna, I'm going to invite you to come and hear all about that. But tonight, we want to talk about the arrival. And my friend Dave just did an amazing job reading about the first arrival when Jesus came as a baby. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate that tonight. That he came and he was born in a manger. You know that story. But for some reason this, this year, as I prayed about Christmas, I felt like God really pressing it on my heart to use the first coming to talk about the second coming. You see, Jesus is coming again. And this whole series, I've just really been mindful that Jesus came, but he's coming again. And so my big idea for tonight, if I have one thing I want to communicate, and it's for this whole weekend, the big idea this weekend is the first coming was just, just to prepare us for the second coming. The first coming was just to prepare us for the second coming. Jesus talked about his second coming in Matthew chapter 25. You can turn in your Bibles to Matthew 25. Also turn to Revelation chapter 19. John talks about the second coming in Revelation chapter 19. You can turn to those two places or you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, the screens tell you how you can find those uh, in, in your, uh, on your phone. Um, but you can also follow along on the screen if, if you want to do that. Before we read Matthew 25, 31 through 33, I want to ask the Father to join our conversation. Can I do that tonight? Let's pray. Father, I love the season of Advent, the anticipation of hope and joy and peace on earth, goodwill to men. Father, I thank you so much that Jesus came. 
But Lord, I thank you tonight that you're coming again. And that when you come again, everything will be made new. Father, this world will disappear and your reign will be forever and ever and ever. And Lord, I pray that tonight you would press it on people's hearts to prepare to anticipate the second coming just as much as the first. God, I ask that you would reveal truth to us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Matthew 25, 31 says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. This is how Jesus describes the second coming. But then John describes it in Revelation chapter 19. What happened was there was a man named John that God allowed to see the things that are to come. And he writes them in the book called Revelation. Chapter 19 verse 11 says this, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. He judges fairly and wages righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. Verse 16, on his robe at his thigh was written this title. King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Now, before I get into tonight, I want you to know that when I talk about the second coming, I'm not talking about what many people call the rapture of the church. That is something that is completely different. That happens before the second coming. After the rapture of the church, I believe that it's after the rapture of the church that there will be a tribulation And after the tribulation, then Jesus will come back for the second time, and he will set up his kingdom. The Bible says that he'll reign for a thousand years. We call that the millennial reign of Jesus. He'll set up shop for a thousand years, and then Satan will be released, but Jesus will be present. And because Jesus will be present, Satan will be quickly defeated, And will be thrown into eternal torment once and forever where evil will no longer exist. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that in the second coming, evil will finally disappear. The second coming is so important. Isaiah writes about the second coming. In Isaiah chapter 2, 
And I want you to know, and I want you to hear from Isaiah, that when Jesus comes for the second time, peace on earth will truly come. You see, when Jesus came the first time, he came and it was a peaceful night. But as you can see, that peace ran out because evil still exists. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 says, The Lord will, medita- uh, will mediate between nations. He will settle international disputes. They, they will hammer their sword with plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation, nor train for war anymore. That means that there won't be any more war to come. Peace will truly reign, and our King Jesus will reign forever and ever. Man, Pastor Adam, I don't know what kind of Christmas message this is. This ain't no Christmas message. Christmas messages are boring sometimes. You know what to expect, right? Some of you guys that, that came uh, Easter, right? The last time you were in church was Easter. You're like, man, I don't remember this last Christmas. Um, here's the point, and, and we're going to get to Christmas. Because the whole point tonight, what I want to do is I want to p- compare the first coming to the second coming. I see four comparisons that I want to share with you briefly tonight. So if you're taking notes, then, uh, you know, so write a line down the middle of your paper. On one side, write first coming. On the second side, write second coming. And then I've got, and then write one, two, three, four. Super easy to take notes this evening. My prayer this weekend is that God would use this message to reveal truth about his love for you but that you would see that his plan for you is not to experience uh, the seven years of tribulation. It's not to experience life without him. He wants to do life with you, but he doesn't force himself on you. That's not who God is. He doesn't force himself on us. He gives us the choice, and we get to choose if we're going to believe in him or not. And so tonight, I just hope that he uses this as a warning. So in the first coming, number one, the first coming was a silent night. The first coming was a silent night. Now, the Bible doesn't say anything about it being a silent night, does it? We sing about it being a silent night. But to be honest with you, the Bible doesn't say it was a silent night. We believe that it was a peaceful night. We believe, I believe that it was a beautiful night because you could see the stars, right? But it doesn't say that it was a silent night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm and all is bright. It was a silent night. The second coming, comparison number one, the first one is a silent night. The second coming will be a glorious night. It will be a glorious night. Listen to Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 that we just read. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the nations with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. When Jesus returns, 
he will be glorious. So the first one, silent night and second coming is the glorious night. Comparison number two is his mother rode a donkey in the first coming. His mother, and I could say he and his mother (laughs) rode a donkey, right? Um, His mom, who's pregnant, rides a donkey. Now, once again, this is something that is not recorded in the Bible. Man, you are a great preacher, Pastor Adam. It's not recorded that she, it doesn't say, Dave didn't read that the mother rode a donkey. But what do we know that points us to the fact that she probably did ride a donkey? Well, we know that they were traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem. That is a distance of 80 miles. So we know it's a long distance. We know that in the Bible that there are some things that are recorded for long journeys. So Paul, the apostle, in the book of Acts, had a shipwreck, right? So they traveled by ships. Um, There's recording of chariots, chariots pulled by horses. So there's chariots. I don't think they, they, well, they didn't have to ride a ship. Um, They they didn't take a chariot, right? Um, there, another form of transportation was a camel. I don't think they rode a camel because they were, they were poor, and I'm going to get to why they were poor in just a moment. But another one was, was their sandals. And I don't know if you've ever seen a married woman walk 80 miles, right? I've never seen a pregnant woman. I mean, she was Mary, the mother of Jesus, but... I don't think she walked 80 miles. I think she probably rode a donkey. And the reason I think she probably rode a donkey was, again, because her and Joseph, the Bible records in Luke chapter 2, verse 24, so just after what Dave just read, it says, So they offered the sacrifice required by the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. You see, in the Levitical law that's in the Old Testament, Tanya talked about this last week. You, could, you had two options. You could, if you could afford to bring a lamb to sacrifice for the baby, then they, you would bring a lamb. But if you couldn't afford a lamb, you would bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, 12 days of Christmas, day two, has a little bit more meaning to it, doesn't it? Why is this significant? Well, the reason it's significant is comparison number two for the second coming is that Jesus will ride a white horse. You see, the first coming, Mary rode a donkey. The second coming, Jesus is coming back on a white horse. Let me read it for you in Revelation 19, 11, one more time. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. Why is a white horse significant? Well, a white horse is significant because it symbolizes that Jesus will be victorious. You see, in ancient times, victorious Roman generals would enter their conquered cities in chariots that were drawn by white horses. And now, fellas, you've thought about the Roman Empire today. You're welcome. <laughs> right? Right? They, 
Rome, like, in, in fact, whenever you see a Roman centurion, they're usually, if they're riding a horse, the, the horse is usually white. And the reason was because it symbolizes victory. What this verse is telling us is that Jesus will ride into town victorious that second time. So, real quick review. First night was silent. Second night will be glorious. First night, there was a donkey. Second night, there will be a white horse. Third comparison, number three. First coming, Jesus came as a servant. He came as a servant. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 says, But emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus not only came to serve, but Jesus came to teach us how to serve other people. At the Refuge Church, we have a saying, and that saying is that we don't serve God as servants. We serve God as sons and daughters. You see, Jesus came as a son obeying his father, not as a servant obeying his master. God isn't looking for people to serve him as servants. He's looking for sons and daughters to obey his voice. I don't know about you, but when I... When I think of God as my father and not my master, I can see him as a loving dad that loves me, wants to care for me, wants the best thing for my life. And when I mess up, do I, do I want to run from him? You better believe it. But when he catches up to me, he says, son, I love you. I've never stopped loving you. You just, you messed up. It's okay. Pick up. Pick yourself up. I forgive you. This is the relationship God wants with us. The relationship of a father and a son. That's what Jesus' life exemplified. A son and a father. That's what he wants for us. In comparison, the second coming. So the first time he came as a servant. The second time he is coming as a king. Not as a master, but as a king. Now, we've already briefly talked about this because we read Matthew chapter, or sorry, Revelation chapter 19. But he's setting up his kingdom. And a kingdom is for a king that reigns. And he will reign forever and ever. Comparison number four. The first coming. I want you to know, first of all, before I get to comparison number four. I, I want to give this one with a warning. You see, this might rub you the wrong way. Because let's be honest. There are things about God that can, that can rub us the wrong way. 
There are things that we, that, that we don't like about him. Let's be honest. Uh, those things, what we have to understand, and, and what I would encourage you to do with those things that you don't like about him, really learn about why he is that way. Ask yourself why. So comparison number four is that the first time he came to unify. He came to make us unified. In John chapter 17, shortly before Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus is praying and he's asking God, he's saying to God, this is what he says in verse 21, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus' prayer was that his blood would unify us. He doesn't want his blood to divide us. He wants his blood to unify us, the blood that he shed on the cross for us. We can be unified in believing that Jesus is the Savior that we all need. His desire was to unify us with the first coming. But comparison number four for the second coming is that in the second coming, he will come and he will divide us. And that breaks my heart. Matthew chapter 25, verse 33 that we just read says he'll place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. I had to look this up. I, was, I wasn't really sure what the significance of goats in scripture was. What I learned was that goats and scripture signify sin. Sometimes they signify deceit. And there is one place even where Satan himself is called a goat. And let me tell you, it doesn't stand for the greatest of all time. There is no question what Jesus is talking about in the parable of Matthew chapter 25 is that he will divide those who believe in Jesus, who have received him, not as the baby in the manger, but as the Savior on the cross. People that have received him. And he will divide the people that haven't received him. And our desire at the refuge is that every person to ever walk through these doors would be placed with the sheep and not with the goats. We exist so that we could see people make Jesus their refuge, placing their faith in him so that when that day comes, they're standing on the right side, not on the left. Now tonight we're doing things a little differently. We're not, this is the time in the service where normally I would have you stand to your feet and I would have you bow your heads and we would pray and all this stuff. But tonight we're doing something a little different. 
but we have to get to the point of reflection. That's what we do. We stand to our feet to reflect. So the question for you tonight is if tonight were to come, if the second coming were to happen tonight, would you be on the right side with the sheep or would you be on the left side with the goats? The only thing that puts you with the sheep are if you placed your faith in the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. By dying on a cross as a sacrifice for our sin. If you want to do that tonight, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. But if you say this prayer with me, there's a card on the seat, under the seat in front of you. Would you fill it out? Write your name. Definitely write your name. Write a way that we can contact you and then check one of the boxes that applies. If you fill that card out, you can take it to our next steps area, which they're going to open the doors to, to, to your left, my right. They're going to open the doors there in just a moment after we sing a song and all that stuff. Not, not yet. But if you take it there, then they've got a Bible they want to give you. If you don't want to give it to anybody, you can drop it in one of the black boxes. But if you want to say that, this prayer with me. Say, God, I know I need you. Come into my life. Save me. Place me with the sheep, not with the goats. By the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, come into my life. Give me new identity in you. And teach me everything that that means. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you want to get out those candles, you can turn those candles on. We're going to sing. The band's going to come back out. We're going to sing another song with the lights on. And, um, and then my friend Dave is going to come back out with an amazing final presentation. I am so excited to, to, to spend my Christmas with you guys. Thank you so much for being here.